on this episode of Thinking Well. We can tend to think of this whole question of God's sovereignty and free will as like an either-or thing. And like, I would just want to say, just because I believe God is in control and completely sovereign doesn't mean that I don't believe we have a role to play. I 100% believe that God wants us to partner with Him in prayer in bringing about His purposes and His plans that He sovereignly wills. And I don't know how that all works. Like I want to, I want to like separate it out. My natural mind wants to come up with a formula for how that works. We like evidence and we like formulas and whatever. Like that's just not the way God operates. We pray because we know God hears our prayers, but there are times where it seems like He doesn't answer. It's in those moments that we are forced to question what we really believe. Is God really in control, and can we trust Him? Does prayer really change things? On today's episode of Thinking Well, we wrestle with these hard questions and share stories about finding God's faithfulness in the midst of trials and confusion. You're listening to Thinking Well, a home for conversations about faith, life, and culture. We live in a confusing, complicated world with no shortage of hot takes and opinions competing for our attention. If you're like us, you're just trying to make sense of it all and follow Jesus the best way you know how. We don't have all the answers. Our unique stories give us unique perspectives, which means we won't always agree with each other. But perhaps in this cultural moment, God isn't looking for agreement. Maybe he wants unity over uniformity. Maybe he wants us to respond instead of react. Maybe he's looking for people who are learning, listening, and thinking well. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Thinking Well. I'm Dan, joined by Jay Bryan. Hi, Dan. Rachel. Hello. And Jordan. Hola. Guys, what was the highlight of your week? I uh, had uh, two different sets of grandchildren stay at my house, uh, do overnights from from my daughter Corey's family and then my son Michael's family, two different weekends, and it's been awesome. Do you want another set of kids anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, next week is uh, open. Wide so, open? Yeah, Perfect. bring them right over, yeah. We'll drop them off Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, the highlight of my week was it being like 45 and being able to go outside with my kids. Oh, can I change my highlight? Without yeah. putting winter gear on. Ah. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, I have one. I finally secured a PlayStation 5. Oh, yes. what are we doing here? Yeah. What are yeah. we doing here? I know I'm a grown man and I have a PlayStation 5, but that's just a thing now. I yeah. think anyone like in their 30s grew up with gaming consoles and they're just going to have Not them. Not if you're poor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Um, but I mean, I think besides just having a PlayStation Five, I feel super happy that I paid retail for it because there's so many scalpers out there on marketplace selling selling them for still hundred bucks. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And I refuse. Yeah. I absolutely refuse. So it felt like a moral victory. To- <laughs> way to stand up for what you yeah. believe in, Dan. Yeah, thank you. So way to pay retail. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? Um, my highlight of the week now is that you got a PlayStation Five, <laughs> and also what are you doing s- later? I know, right? Um, I had such a good burrito from Chipotle this week, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Good stuff. I cooked dinner at home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So today we are going to have a discussion about unanswered prayers and all the things wrapped up in that. So why do bad things happen to good people? Is God in control? And does prayer really change things? And from the start, I just want to say that this is a complicated topic. Christians have wrestled with this for thousands of years. And so I'm not under any illusion that the four of us today are suddenly going to come up with some profound answers and solve this whole problem of evil and prayers not being answered. But I do hope that we can help each other and our listeners think through this topic in a healthy way and to really just put things in perspective so that when we do go through hard times where it feels like God is silent, 
we still have some kind of hope that we can cling on to. So with that being said, uh, let's just start off on a, on a personal level. What is a prayer that has gone unanswered in your life? For me, it's uh, healing. Um, you know, healing in, in me. I've been contending for healing in, in certain areas, like, for example, my shoulder for a long time. And I haven't stopped, but I've been contending for that um, as it relates to family members that are even gone now, uh, that we were praying for healing, believing for, for healing, like my mother-in-law, Marcy. Uh, that was a very interesting season for us because we prayed um, harder than we've ever prayed about anything before and things didn't turn out the way uh, that we thought they were going to. So I've, I would call that, and if it wasn't an unanswered prayer, it was certainly a prayer that turned out differently than than I expected. Yeah, definitely healing. Um, a lot of people in my life have passed away from cancer and everything, and so it's been really difficult to um, kind of come to terms with why or or be okay with not knowing why they weren't healed in this life. I probably have a lot of, I'll just say it this way, stupid prayers that are like, oh, maybe the Packers will win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> that obviously went unanswered this year. That's because mine got answered. Oh, okay. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Working against you there. Right. Well, I mean, and then all the prayers for the Vikings the past whatever, how many years. But anyways, um, yeah, f- for me thinking about this was they just weren't answered in my timing lately thinking about it my timing was obviously different than god's timing um but i there's some really big prayers about our lives rachel's and mine lives and our family's life that were answered but in his timing Mm -hmm. so i think that's something too to think about it's just obviously we want to control everything so so much Mm. but um really i i've thought about that a lot it's like my prayers were answered. They weren't were unanswered in my timing, but they were ultimately answered in the perfect timing for it all. Um, so that yeah. just that just uh, I just thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I have some ongoing health issues which I've prayed for healing for for a while. But honestly, I, it's not those prayers that have gone unanswered that I wrestle with. Uh, for me. I think the biggest one over the last few years has been um, just feeling or going through seasons of loneliness and feeling like I don't fit in. And I want to be clear, it's not because I don't have friends or community or family around me. It more has to do with the way that I'm wired and um, beliefs that I hold and things that I question like, for example, politically, I don't really identify with the left or the right. And so, especially in these times, like, people want you to pick a side and, man, you got you to gotta do something. And yeah. I'm just like, sorry, I don't, I don't really feel like I belong to either camp. And so that, that feels lonely in and of itself. I guess spiritually and theologically, I, I come from a charismatic tradition and I still belong to a charismatic community and yet there's times where I'm like I don't really feel like I fit into this too I prayed a lot over the last few years God why did you make me like this why do I have to question things as much as I do and actually God could you just make me like everyone else (laughs) so I can just fit in and like not have to think about this stuff and that is a prayer that's gone unanswered. That poses some interesting thoughts about how if God isn't seemingly answering your prayer, is he answering someone else's? Or to put it another way, um, knowing you the way I'm learning to know you right now, Dan, I can't imagine you not being you and being the way you are. And it's provocative to me that you would want to be different and I recognize that you're talking about feelings and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's, what's obviously your insides are different than the way I see you from the outside. But, but it's just interesting. And I wonder if that plays a role in how God answers or doesn't answer prayers, because maybe it's something that isn't supposed to be different 
or have a different outcome. Maybe you're amazing the way you are. Maybe it's a kind of an acceptance thing and you feel yeah. free to edit this out. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, I feel comfortable with who I am as a person and my own beliefs. I just question, why does God put me in situations where I feel like I'm on the outside all the time? Mm-hmm. That's, that's more of what it is. And so he hasn't answered that yet, but right. I'll keep trusting in God's ultimately the one who knows he wired me the way I am. And so right. there's some comfort I can take in that. Right. Yeah. Can you think of a situation in your life where God didn't answer a prayer right away, but you only realize why in retrospect? Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> I think we'll have the same answer to this. Right, I think so. Yeah, just uh, with a new job in end of 2020, I could have, I probably would have had my beautiful wife, Rachel, not encouraged me. I would have taken the first job that I got offered and you know, cause we were just praying for, we had a, a list. Yeah, yeah. We were just praying for, you know, we got to the point where we were like, okay, this is what we're, we need. This is what we want in a job. And, and we were praying about that. Then it was kind of like, for me, I probably stopped praying about that pretty quick. And I was just like, I just need a job, just whatever. I'll take it. And so, um, so like I was talking about earlier, his timing was was way different than my timing. And I'm glad that Rachel and I walked through that together because I don't know what what would have happened if I had taken something else. You know, it's kind of like that butterfly effect type deal. It's like, oh, what would be so much different? I know that's kind of very speculative and whatnot, but it's um, there's definitely something to say about the timing of, of the answer for prayer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely... Um, one of mine, like he had a couple of job offers that were, you know, sounded good. And then, um, we just didn't feel peace about it. And, and it would have been made peace about it in my point of view. He could have made peace about it. it. I could have been like, I can have peace with, with wherever I am. I feel like, and I've always said that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "Mm, no, let's, let's wait for something else. And He might have been mad at me for that, but um, it's frustrated. <laughs> frustrated. It's never um, mad. I can never be mad at you, dear. Okay. <laughs> wow. We have the perfect marriage. I'm just earning points here. Yeah. This is all in wow. the history books now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and but also in the beginning of 2020, I recognized that I was going to step down from. Um, youth pastoring and so they were going to kick me out of the parsonage (laughs) 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 wow onto the streets who would have done that That you got like one of those red eviction notices on the front of the door one day I did that (laughs) yes so just for context for our listeners send your cards and letters to me yes Jay Bryan is the one actually living in the parsonage now (laughs) yeah so, in, yeah. in in your bedroom, Parsonage yeah. two point yeah. though. This is like, yeah, <laughs> it is not the same uh, house, but right. it looks the same on it's, the outside. It's right. definitely not the same house. Right. <laughs> Anyways, um, but so we were pregnant with with our third child, and um, we we're like, where are we going to move? Um, and Jordan mm. still had his job that um, that he was going to be let go from, and. Um, we just were they looking were at houses. They were closing the company. They were closing they were the, company, the company, and they actually was, gave Jordan the option to move with them yeah. to Utah. And I'm I said, I am not raising my children without my family. <laughs> <laughs> I also and, just just want to interject, just so our listeners are clear. Jordan and Rachel are married. Right? Yes, I don't think we're not just ever. cohabitants, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And and so we were just praying for house, and we didn't feel peace about anything. And my parents were like, we really feel like you should move in with us and save up some money. And for like a year, which it has been longer than that, which because, is totally fine. Because I kicked you out of your house. <laughs> and um, and then COVID happened. And we look back and we're like, 
And then, and at the same time, you know, Jordan was out of a job. And so we're like, oh, that's why we don't have a mortgage and a house of our own. <laughs> that would have been such a different situation yeah. than when we were safe at our parents, at my parents' house, you know, and, and our ki- kids got to see their grandparents every day. Hmm. Um, and so like looking back at that, that's just a huge, like, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't answer our prayers for a, for a house. Well, for me personally, I went through, um, uh, I, I have a I have a testimony. I have a pre Jesus life, and I have a after I got closer to Jesus life. And um, when uh, I got to a place where I was starting to get my act together and trying to dig out of the tremendous financial and you know every other hole that I dug for myself in my previous life, as I was getting to the other side of that, I was certainly lonely. I was becoming I was like longing to share my life with somebody again. I I had a failed marriage. I'd been single for a few years, and I got to a place where I don't know that I was continuing to pray for that relationship, that I just sort of let it go, but it turned into a let go and let God thing. So over the course of about five or six years, as I was putting that that past, even those desires or even those prayers behind me, God was making me into a person that would be um, worthy of marrying my wife, Renee. Uh, and in other words, if I had met her five years earlier, which probably would, that would have been illegal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I want to clear up something about that, too. I'll just let that go. <laughs> okay. All but right. As, all right. But as but if I had if I had met uh, anybody prior to the time that I met Renee, um, I wasn't going to be ready. I wasn't going to be a decent husband. I wasn't going to be a good person. And uh, so it was God's timing. God answered the prayer, but he answered the prayer like about six or seven years <laughs> later than I was anticipating. And when he did, literally the first time that I met with my wife, the words that came out of my mouth were, I don't know even exactly what I'm saying, but I do know this, that if I don't know Jesus, I don't get to know you. And I'll never forget her words. This is literally before we even started dating. She says, well, you got that right. <laughs> Just like that. So. How how fast of a realization was that at that time that that's what God was kind of doing? He was preparing you for Renee. Was that? Um, it was it was super fast. Yeah. Uh, but like literally the first time I saw her, those that people that know my story is uh, the first time I saw Renee as I was walking away. I looked up to the ceiling of the uh, the building I was in at that time, and I said out loud, "God, you've got to be kidding!" Because I just knew that I knew that I knew that. This is the person I was supposed to be married to, and I had no idea what it was going to look like. But um, that happened, just like that. That wow. happened. I did not hear an audible voice. I just went, okay, I heard you, Lord, mm-hmm. and I pursued it. Wow. So speak, speaking about like those old, those big life prayers that you, the course of it would be changed, you know, if, if that prayer was answered, is it okay to feel angry when you feel a prayer isn't answered in the way we want it to be? You know, we tell people it is. <laughs> yeah. True. But, I mean, <laughs> like, true. like at a funeral, yeah. for example, I've said more than once when I've had an opportunity to speak at a funeral that just please remember that God's big enough. He can take it. If you're mad right now, tell him. Yeah. And if you're mad at him, you can tell him that too. I mean, I really believe that, that he's the, wow. the, only, the only thing that we can't, that, that I'm aware of, you can't take the Lord's name in vain. And by that, and that means a whole entirely different thing, but it has nothing to do with you yelling or being mad or whatever. Like literally just, just saying, God, you know, my heart mm-hmm. and, and just letting that come out whatever way that is. I think that's healthy. Um, I think us trying to stuff that stuff is dangerous. Even. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's something to be said about God creating us with the emotions to, you know, go from, you know, such joy in a moment and such anger in another. It's, it's not, you know, unbiblical or unhealthy to feel anger. Right. For sure. I think I would distinguish it just a little bit differently, or I would want to differentiate between being angry at God versus being angry before God. Oh, that's sure. a good and I think it I think that's for us as Christians to walk through because if we do claim a certain amount of faith in God and trust in his character, then we want to be careful we're not 
maligning God's character and saying like, actually God, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. And there's, there's a posture you can do it from where it just becomes, um, I don't know what to say. And I realize not being angry in my current state right now, it's really easy for me to just talk about this, but I definitely think like you can bring your anger before God and he can take it and you don't have to like work through it. When I say you bring your anger before God, that could be a period of time and God can handle that. I mean, you see it all throughout the Psalms. Right. I guess, I guess think we're not supposed to live there. Right. Right. And I think that is also in the Psalms where he, uh, David is, is crying and angry and upset and all that. And then, like turning on a dime and he says, but praise you, Lord, and thank right. you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And and I think we have to take that approach yeah. that we can we can vent. It's like mm. you would with a really close friend. You, know, you can vent if it's a really close friend, they can take it, right? Yep. And they can go, well, I, I understand what you're going through right now, but you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. take it anymore. <laughs> you, you, can do, you can do it to a point, but now it's time to turn around because you can't live there if that becomes part of you. Right. The whole point of that anger is to release it, not to make more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I think that says a lot. It, it does say a lot about our belief in God. It, if we are angry at him because he didn't answer something that we wanted, um, what does that say about what we believe or who we believe he is. Do we believe that he's just a genie there to give us everything that we want? Mm. Or oh, sure. Or do we believe that he is king over it all? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good segue into this uh, next question. And I actually want to set it up kind of with a story, and then you guys can feel free to push back or give your opinion on this. So I heard a well-known preacher who said in a sermon that went out online and on YouTube and whatever, he said, God is in charge, but he's not always in control. And I remember hearing that and just feeling conflicted because on one hand, like I really actually just wanted to believe that because it kind of gets God off the hook for a lot of things. If we can just say, yeah, some stuff is just out of his hands and you know, there's the fall and we're humans and we have free will. And so, it just kind of explains away a lot of the mm. the suffering and, and the problem of evil. But then I remember thinking, if that's true that God's not in control, can I even trust him? Right. Like, right. Why should I even pray to him? <laughs> like, if it's kind of in the balance and he, mm. he just, it's out of his hands, then I, I don't know what to do with that. And that actually presents a lot of problems for a lot of different verses in the Bible where it says, he is on the throne and mm-hmm. he's control he's in control over people and even like kings and i think you know even satan to a degree <laughs> well I, I think the bible does say that god allows like satan only has the power that he's been given and man we could get into that well i think i think <laughs> i think god is in control he yeah. just gives it to us um, the, the whole free will thing is a right. lot of that. When I, when, I, when I say that, that still leaves him in control. If everything, he's a creator of the universe, if everything is his, then he's, and he says here, you can have the choice of free will, you can decide if you want to do this or do this. Um, he's still in control. It's, be, it's like when I sat on my dad's lap as a little kid, my dad's driving the car, but he let me steer until I was about to go into a tree. <laughs> right. And, and, and then, you know, and he jumped in, and maybe we're mm. not in the jump in place yet. That probably didn't help your segue. No, no. I just, I mean, I just want to open it up to you guys to see what you think. Like, is is God sovereign? What do we even mean when we say that? Yeah. Is God really in control, or are some things really just out of His hands, and mm. it all hangs in the balance? Yeah, I to that preacher pastor who said that I. I think I would totally disagree that he's, you know, he's in control of everything. He's sovereign over everything. Um, and he just, he does allow, obviously like we've talked about, he allows free will for people and he allows people to make their decisions. And otherwise, otherwise what, what's the, what's the point of having, you know, human beings on earth. If, If he doesn't allow that to happen, if he doesn't allow things, you know, if, 
Um, I, yeah, I just can't fathom him not being in control. If, if, if that's the case, then yeah, like you said, I kind of go back to the Bible and say, well, what does all this mean then? And if I'm questioning the Bible, then I'm kind of questioning everything else in my life, I feel like. I almost wonder if, I don't know, to me, like control means to manipulate sometimes, you know, like in, yeah. in another sure, form. Sure, yeah. And so I wonder if he meant, and and maybe he didn't, because I mean, I completely believe God is in control and sovereign, but he will not manipulate people right. to to a certain choice. They do have their own free will. So I'm I'm just curious what form of control he meant. Yeah. I mean, it we don't know that and I'm just pulling that and there's probably some context there. Um it is I I do think just as a side note, when people say things and it's going to go out online, I know context is really important, but like we do have to be careful about yeah. what we put out there. Yeah. No, totally. Um yeah. And I think to like we we can tend to think of this whole question of God's sovereignty and free will as like an either or thing. Sure. And like I would just want to say just because I believe God is in control and completely sovereign doesn't mean that I don't believe we have a role to play in in prayer. Um I mean maybe I'll just throw that out there too. Um yeah. Does our prayer actually change things? If God is sovereign, like, why do we even bother praying? Right. I, I kind of have a story to go with that, if that's sure. all right. Yeah. When I was six years old, um, my dad was up in Alaska flying from Russia back to Alaska in just a little small plane with six other people. And both engines stopped when they were going over the Bering Sea. Mm. And the plane crashed into the Bering Sea. And this was in August but it's still freezing cold temperatures, you know, just obviously a bad situation. You know, it's at that point, um, uh, there hadn't been any survivors of like a plane crash or a boat crash that were in the, you know, crashed in the sea and whatnot. And, you know, I'd live to tell about it after at that point, this was 30 years ago, almost now at this point. Mm. Um, all this to say, my sister and I woke up in the middle of the night <clears throat> and just felt this call to go into our mom's room and start praying for our dad. And this was as his plane is crashing. You know, we go back and look at it, and you look at the times for everything, and this is as the plane is going down. And we were just, you know, we couldn't sleep. We missed our dad and all that, and so we just, we just prayed that he'd be safe. And so I, I don't think my prayer changed anything, but just being obedient as a little six-year-old who knows, you know, nothing about the world at that time, just being, you know, missing my dad and just praying about him at that time. I can't say that I, I changed God's mind on anything, but just my call out to him, I think there's something to that, to that obedience, to the listening in our spirits. And so for me to say that there you know, I, I can't not believe that there's something that when we, when we cry out that there's not a chance for it, that God doesn't hear it and doesn't say, eh, let this one go. You know, there's, yeah. there's something to that. I can't not believe that with my experience, you know? Yeah. For wow, sure. that's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Especially your age. You were just, you were just called at the age of six, you said, to go yeah, do that? Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I, hundred percent believe that God wants us to partner with him in mm-hmm. prayer, in bringing about his purposes and his plans that he sovereignly wills. And I don't know how that all works. Like I want to, I want to like separate it out. My natural mind wants to come up with a formula for how that works. Yeah. Right. And I think we just got to step back, especially as moderners, like who like, we like evidence and we like formulas mm-hmm. and yeah. whatever. Like that's just not the way God operates. Yeah. Well, I think ultimately we just have to trust the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, maybe we can end the episode right now. 
<laughs> guess that's it. But, uh, Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And then Proverbs 69 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I don't find those two Proverbs um, like uh, counterintuitive of, of each other. Um, I think they play into each other. I think that the Lord wants us involved um, but that we need to look to him. For example, I can know that I need to get from point A to point B, but I would look to the Lord as to how that happens and what steps I should take and so on. And I look at my life that way, especially now, um, that um, I might not like all the answers that he gives me, but mm-hmm. I do see him as being sovereign and the way I'm supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is... <laughs> First, first John five fourteen says, "This is the confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us." And I just think, in especially our Western culture, and maybe particularly in the charismatic culture, um, we miss the according to His will part, mm. or we think, "Well, God doesn't want anybody to die, so." him healing everybody must be according to his will. Mm. And I've, I'm questioning that because first of all, God loves our loved ones more than we do. Can can we hold that to be true? Yeah. Yeah. So if he takes them to heaven, if, if they, if they don't get their healing here on earth, they get their healing in heaven. And and he's looking at the big picture and we're, we're zoomed in on our, our little part. So I think more than ever, we just need to really like hear God for what his will is yeah. wherever we are. And, and when we pray according to that, he hears us. Yeah. Well, and even Jesus said, I, I only do what I see my father doing. And that gives me direction as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I don't know if that's if that relates to the prayer issue, but I mean, even Jesus said that. I guess this is where God is, so this is where I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah. And he was submitted. He was submitted to God, and that right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've grown up hearing people say, "When you pray, don't don't pray like a little weak prayer, like oh God, oh, if it's your will." Yeah. <laughs> and I. I get where that's coming from because I get there is this. You can't play. You can't pray from a place that's really hesitant. Like God, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you can do this. And God, if it's your will, I get that. But actually, a faith can be a hundred percent behind God's will. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, nothing. Nothing takes him by surprise. He's in control of it all. And. Um, a verse that I keep coming back to is Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And yeah, I don't know about the rest of the world, but like if if we are in Christ and we're following him and putting our faith in him, then I can just trust that whatever happens, He's going to work together for his good. And I don't have to understand how that works. Right. Well, and to, to kind of go what you're saying with, you know, coming from like praying out of like a meek part of you or whatnot. Yeah. Or I, I think I've always been told is, oh, just have a conversation with God. Like he's your friend, which I totally agree with, which is what I think ultimately I'm striving for. But then you get people who say, right, don't pray like this. It's like, well, if I'm if I'm talking to a friend, I'm not making demands on my friend, you know? I'm not saying, "No, you need to do this now and you need to change this now." It's like that's that's almost total opposite of of what I want to believe about prayer. Yeah. And so to me, thinking about this topic, that kind of came up in me and it kind of stirred me up a little bit. I was like, "Okay, I I just want to kind of rip that apart because I I don't think that's that's what you know just the demands it's that's to me that's not godly at all it's I feel like you can make declarations without demanding and I feel like this is gonna just rub 
somebody the wrong way, but I even say please and thank you to Alexa. So I can <laughs> I can sure say please and thank you to the creator yeah. of the universe. No, exactly. Right? That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. so true. It's like and 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 for people and I feel like I think I only experienced this in kind of the charismatic side of my faith that I'm in now. It's like I feel like I've been taught not to really say not my will or in your will, God, can you please, please do this? And you know what you're talking about? I get it's not like I'm not like feeling all sad for myself about it, but it's like that's what Jesus said. He's, you know, he's talking about in, in when he asked in the dis- disciples, ask him how to pray, you know, it, in the Lord's prayer, it's, you know, your will be done. And and not to like put on a big show about it, like he calls them pagans, you know, yeah. and he he calls us to you know not not to do that, and as they do, you know, it was at the time it was the Pharisees that would do it out in the in the middle of everything and and put on a big production. It seems like, and so really for me, getting back to that, I I'm not saying this boastfully, but I think I've always done that. And I think as Christians, that's something we can look back to and look to maybe strive to do that more. Yeah. And I can understand too, the, the pushback on that and what I've said too, just because you look at the new Testament and the early church and you do see the disciples going out and, and just commanding people get up and walk. Right. And, I think I think that's coming from a place of boldness and like the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In the moment saying this is going to happen and go and do it. And that's a little bit different from prayer and petition before God. Sure, yeah. And so I think we can have both, but we shouldn't try to force that as a model right. on people. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, people people take that as a model and they look at any person who's sick and they're like, all right, it's in God's will. And Holy Spirit hasn't come upon them yet or hasn't, you know, yeah. um, it, it's just in their mind what, what the structure of it is. And so, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Okay, so how can we reconcile our unanswered prayers with the reality that God is still good and faithful? I um, am often reminded of the uh, Focus on the Family uh, session they had. It was like a 25-minute episode many, many years ago where an African-American pastor's wife died, and he gives his um, testimony to all the people in the room about what his wife meant to her. And he tells a super sweet story about how she kept their world together even when they had no money, even when they couldn't afford to pay their electric bills. It's just a tremendous story about just how important she was in, in his success even as a husband and a human being and as a pastor. He just attributed it all to the gift that God gave him, which was his wife. And his wife died prematurely, uh, died of cancer, and he was left uh, left alone. And as he's giving her eulogy, he is screaming at the top of his lungs. She was everything to me. And he's just crying and sobbing. And then he would say, praise you, Lord Jesus. Mm. And then he'd go, but she was my life. And then he would say, praise you, Lord Jesus. And then she was, you gave her to me and then you took her away. And then he goes, praise you, Lord Jesus. And to this day, I am shook mm. by the passion, but by his own answer to the question. He, it was like a self-reconciling his relationship with the Lord that really, in the final analysis, all that mattered was is that he loved God more. Mm. That's all. Wow. And so it was 
it was like the worst of all possible scenarios, but he just went right back to God and he said, but I love you, Lord. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Wow. Yeah, I think if we redirect our attention to his promises and what he has answered, and we we all have the the evidence of his goodness in our lives. Um, and so it's okay to sit with those unanswered prayers and wonder why, but we have a whole book showing his goodness and his faithfulness and his promises. And we can go back to that and just reread how he has, how he has been good and faithful in his character. Mm. Yeah. There's a speaker and an author that I follow on Instagram, um, Jackie Hill Perry, and she has helped me, connect the dots between God's sovereignty and his goodness. And she's written a book on God's holiness and she's not really saying anything new, but she's putting it in language that I think is really helpful. And so one thing she said that's helped me is if God is holy, then he can't sin. And if God can't sin, he can't sin against you. So that makes his motives pure It means that he is eternally ethical and he can only do good and he can only do right. And man, that just, it helps me so much. Um, And I've said like before, I, I don't need to understand how or why that works. But if I can just understand and trust that everything God allows is anchored in his goodness and even if I don't understand it or can't see why he's doing what he's doing, I can trust that his motives are good and pure. Like, and that's really what this is all about, this tension that we feel with unanswered prayers is the whole question of can I trust God? Like, yeah. Are his reasons and motives pure? And a lot of our, our generation is questioning that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you hear a lot, like I, I can't live in a world where God allows this or does that. And really it comes down to, well, do you trust the character of God? And if, if you don't, okay, I can understand there's situations and experiences people go through that would cause them to question that. But if you don't have that, then what do you have? Right. Well, yeah, I think that's just being a Christian and having faith, you know, in the unknown and for the unknown, it's like, I, I'm never going to know everything in my mind. My human mind can't understand, you know, all the outcomes, you know, it's, it's not like the matrix where all of a sudden we're enlightened and we see everything (laughs) in zeros and ones. It's like, no, that's, that's faith. There's that part to it too, that I just, I just have to trust. I think a lot of our prayers center on God, take this pain away from me. Right. Right. Or take this pain away from somebody. Mm. And, but pain, pain has a purpose. Like, especially when, when God is in it, he doesn't give us over to the pain. He doesn't cause the pain, but when there is pain, it gives us a purpose. And when I look back over my life and I see all the, the deep valleys that I was in and I was in so much pain and I was just begging God to take it away. But in that process, that solidified my relationship with him Mm. and that solidified my faith in him. And that brought me closer to him and that taught me some really powerful truths about who he is. That pain absolutely had a purpose. And so we we just, um, to be okay with sitting in the pain and knowing like it's it's not going to last like this forever. And... um, just draw draw near to God through it. Are you familiar with the part in the Bible where um, Jesus says, um, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me or something like that? Mm-hmm. And of course, the he cleared the room, so to speak. <laughs> they weren't in a room, but he like everybody goes, up, check, please. Yes. <laughs> and they left. And then it was pretty much just the disciples that were left uh, behind there. And... Um, Jesus says, well, what about you? Are you going to go too? And they looked at him and they go, well, where are we going to go? Mm -hmm. You're the son of God. 
And so as it comes to unanswered prayers, or at least the feeling like you're wondering, why isn't this happening in my timing? Don't you get to a place in the final analysis and where else are we going to go? Yeah. I mean, you're it. You must have a plan, even if it doesn't feel like it. Right now, you're the guy, like the guy. Right. Yeah. And um, and getting back to what that pastor said, so therefore, praise you, Lord Jesus. Right. Yeah. You know, praise you, Father God, for whatever's next. It's you. Yeah. You know, and I want to do it with you. Yeah, I was just thinking about how, for me anyway, the fact that if we belong to Jesus, nothing is wasted and nothing is meaningless. That's enough for me to follow right. Jesus. Even if there was like no beautiful afterlife and resurrection, like the fact that God can turn suffering and somehow give it meaning and turn it into good. I mean, <laughs> that that's almost enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I it's C.S. Lewis that talks about that. Like yeah. if there is a God, great. If there isn't, I'm still better off for believing in him. Yeah, Pastor Bob. Total paraphrase. Pastor Bob uh, taught on that as well. I I I think there is, and I think it's all good, and and we have we have a future with him. And but even if not, I'm a better person. I can tell you, I am. Yeah. You know, the person that I am today, nobody in this room would want to spend any time with thirty years ago. Yeah. Thirty-one years ago. Not even a better person, a completely trans transformed person. Different Mm -hmm. person entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I realize in talking about all of this that there are people who have gone through really dark, tragic things. And some of the stuff we're bringing up, they might be having the reaction of, well, you don't, you don't know what I've gone through. I, yeah. I mean, I know people, they've, they've lost kids early, mm-hmm. just like really dark stuff. And so, again, I just want to make it clear that we're not sitting here saying it's okay. Just trust in God that He's right. sovereign. Right. But with that in mind, how can we help others who have suffered loss without reaching for easy answers? Well, one of the first things that comes to my mind is that um, there's a lot of people in situations like that. Ultimately, were hurt. Uh, they'll say, "I was hurt by the church," which is something that makes me cringe except for the fact that I know that that's real, that that really happened. But one of, my advice would be, if you were hurt by the church, then come back and get healed in the church. And that might seem counterintuitive, but I believe that's where the healing is, uh, that people can uh, be restored and re become reconnected with the Lord in community, and that the uh, best advice is not to run away from it, but to face it head on. I also think that the church could do a better job and needs to purpose to admit when they're disappointed. Yeah. yeah. And we need to, and we need to be willing to share that with others. Like, dang, that didn't turn out the way, the way we wanted. That's not the result we were looking for, but then still circling back and saying, however, um, praise you, Lord God. Yeah. I think just sitting with people in their pain and not, not, not staying there, you know, like not going down into the hole and just sitting with them there and not offering like hope or a way out, but, but just being okay with it being awkward and clunky and, you know, like, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to walk with you through this. Um, while also giving hope. Um, and, Mm. and that's going to look different for every situation, but, but we can't, we can't stay down there with them. We need to help and offer a way out. You just reminded me of another thing. Sometimes as we're helping people through disappointment, we treat it like it's a box that we check. Yeah. Here's the obligatory card. Here's $20 in lieu of flowers. Um, Can I do anything for you this weekend? And it's the three, six, eight, one year later, months later, one year later, that people um, feel the most alone. And there are literally... um, sitting in their disappointment and there's no one there anymore. Another thing that the church could do, I have a friend that's experiencing this right now. Another thing that the church could do better would be to not treat them like a box that they check at the beginning when circumstances all happened, but to um, spend 
real time with them three months later and a year later and yeah and two years later yeah and the, and that all comes that all comes out of community mm. uh, we can we can only That's do right. this in community if if we're just treating church like another social club that healing is not going to happen the way that it should yeah this is something that i feel like it paralyzes me so when i see people go through loss I really just don't know what to do or say. Even going to a funeral and saying, I'm sorry for your loss, that just seems so empty to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm feeling their pain, but I just don't know what to do or say. And so, so sometimes that causes me not to do anything. And I know mm-hmm. that's probably not right too, but that's something I'm, I'm just trying to learn and I don't have any answers. But do you guys ever struggle with that? Oh, all the time. I do, but, I, but sometimes the answer is, is I don't know what to say. I just love you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, and that matters. I mean, that's really, I mean, when you go to a funeral, you're there for the living anyway. Yeah. And just, yep. just being there. Um, I said, I said in a different podcast that being occupying that chair is more than just occupying that chair, that that has value and meaning to people. And, um, it is awkward. It is difficult, but sometimes just being there, just so that that person knows that they're not alone, in that moment of time, is so helpful. Mm. So, how are you guys doing after the twenty twenty election? Let's let's. I want to check up on you guys. <laughs> I'm I'm Sorry, guessing some of us are fine and some of us are not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a lot better today than I was a year ago. There you go. See. Yeah, but do you and know I, why? Because we we're right. You. Well, well, because you know, and that whole that that, that is a real, it's a legit <clears throat> question because a, a lot of people were praying for a particular outcome, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know that I was. <laughs> I I think if ever I was praying for God, just God lead us through this to you know? God, God to be sovereign. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so, but that's a that's a great question because a whole bunch of people go well, and so many people were were on the well. Wait, it's just it's just this month, but this is about to be overturned, oh, gosh. and then the prophetic, right. and then this, yeah. and and I just go, you know, I think you know uh, a friend of ours that lives in Ukraine this week posted something that he said if if there's anything I want to say to the people in, in the West right now, you can hear from God on your own, right. And so as it relates to that question that you are only teasing to ask, (laughs) we could do a better job of listening to the voice of God on our own than we're doing right now. Yeah. Mm. Pretty sure I just got kicked out of my church. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast. Thinking Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.